0: What a win by the Indiana Pacers. Somehow, they keep finding ways to do just this. Find their way in a hole and then bounce back. They go into Boston. They beat the Celtics with the most wins in the NBA. They have a dominant first half. And Tyrese Halliburton looks like a star. We'll talk about all that and more on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers. Your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team... Every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we of course talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, the best win of the season for the Pacers on the docket for a full show. Pacers go to Boston, go into the TD Garden to face. The reigning Eastern Conference champion Celtics, the team with the most wins in the NBA, the Boston Celtics, the team with an MVP candidate in Jason Tatum, and the Pacers get it done. This team continues to bounce back and find ways to win. We'll talk about the Pacers' win over the Celtics, Tyrese Halberton's baller night. Holy smokes. He was unbelievable, and he played in a way that he's never played before. I'll explain that to you. Chris Duarte's big night in a full segment on ex-Celtic Aaron Neesmith, because I just wrote about him, and he's playing the best ball of his career. But we got to start with the Pacers' best win of the season. What an effing win by the Indiana Pacers, who they fell under 500 for the first time since early November with their loss on Sunday. They had lost two clutch games in a row in painful fashion. They looked like they were slipping a little bit. They have a tough schedule of physical opponents coming up. They're playing the best team in the East. They had all the reasons to not look good in this game. Mentally, this is a draining game. Celtics had all the reasons to look good in this game. They've lost 4-5 or and need a a kick in the pants. And the Pacers destroyed them in in the first half, quite frankly. Their best win of the year. They really coasted in the second half. We'll break down the full game in a minute. But Pacers win 117-112. And it's just the bounce back Pacers at it again. They find a way to be mentally prepared when they need to be. And it's hard to do it consistently for a young team. I get that. But the fact that they're able to do this so often is so impressive. And this game was really special because – when the Pacers were at their best in this game, when their full was fully on the gas and they had the right lineups in there and they were clicking, this was a new level of the Pacers. I think their first quarter, the, the, especially the second half of the first quarter and some parts of the second quarter, was the best basketball they've played the entire season. This was the ceiling of the Indiana Pacers in a game. They looked fantastic. And it's funny you start with the first quarter because early – Celtics looked better, right? It was 11 to 5, and a couple of minutes into the game, Pacers weren't scoring really well. Carlisle did one of his early timeouts that he does when they look sluggish to start a quarter, which well deserved. The Pacers looked sluggish to start the quarter. It was 11 to 5, right? So it started, it's early in the game, it doesn't matter. Uh, and then it was 20 to 11. So the Pacers were on this little 15 0 run, and it was really fast just before you could blink. Two timeouts by Joe Missoula in that stretch for the Celtics. So the Pacers have a lead. They look great. 15 0 runs happen in the NBA. And then. It was 31-11 to in another blink. So now all of a sudden the Pacers run is 26-2. to It was unbelievable to watch the Pacers in the first quarter of this basketball game. They could not be stopped by anything the Celtics did during that 26-2 run, which was remarkable. And the starters, you know, Halliburton was hitting shots. He was finding his open teammates, and guys were just cutting the basket in transition for open dunks. Guys were burying the threes they were getting. Nambard hit one of his Little mid-range shots that he's got in his bag now from the elbow. Buddy Hield looked phenomenal. I think he had eight of the first, Pacers first, like 10 or 12 points in this stretch. They looked amazing. They looked unstoppable. The Celtics, right, known for their defense last year, could not stop the Pacers in this stretch. That's a 24-point gap, right? A 26-2 to two run is a 24-point gap. The Pacers' biggest lead in this game ended up being 30, right? And, and they barely held on to win by five. Again, we'll get to the game flow in a moment. But, like, that was the difference. That stretch was the difference in this game. Without it, they don't win. They don't have the momentum to play well in the second quarter. They don't know what works to close out the game, right? That stretch in the late first quarter was the win for the Pacers. They're up 20 at the end of the quarter. It was a huge part of their game. And the most impressive part of it, to me, statistically, was they made 12 shots in a row. That's unheard of. In the NBA, that's what makes the perfect quarter. The Pacers almost had so much more jarring in retrospect. Making 12 shots in a row is crazy. right? So great stuff from the Pacers early. Best they've looked this season ever. Like, obviously, you make shots. No, duh. You're going to look better. But they're playing great as in getting in transition, getting the stops right. Two points allowed, just as impressive as making the, the you know, 26 in a row in that stretch. And Hallie was the big guy making it happen. Tyrese Halliburton, 15 points, five assists in the first quarter. Not half, not half. Three quarters, first quarter alone, he had 15 points and five assists, came in with a point to prove, slinging passes to cutters in transition, burying every three, getting to the rim. He was unstoppable. One of the best stretches of Pacers basketball this year. They were up 71-41 to with 4.2 seconds to go in the half. That was their biggest lead and the latest it got in the game, right? 30 points. That's a huge lead. To contextualize, 30 points. If the Celtics have a 70-point second half, all the Pacers have to do is score 42 in the second half to win. Right? That's not that, that's 21 a quarter. That's easy. That's easy. The Pacers do that basically every game. They have 42-point halves. Even on their worst night. Right? Their worst game of the season was against the Heat. Offensively when they scored 82 points. That's 41-a-half. Like 42 is nothing in the NBA these days. So if they scored 42, they could give up 70, which is a ton. They'd still win. And they still kind of almost had that bad of a second half. It was all Celtics. In the second half, I get coming out kind of coasting a bit up 30, and the the Celtics certainly made significantly better adjustments, and most of that was just give Jason Tatum the ball and let him drive to the basket. But again, a 40-point second half from the Pacers is all they needed to to win if they defended at any sort of capable level, even though that almost happened. The Pacers win this game, right? 42 points in the third quarter for Boston. Tatum was unbelievable in that quarter. The Pacers literally could not stop him, right? They they were throwing – Neesmith at him. They tried Denbart on him in the first half. None of that was working. He was just getting by everybody, getting to the rim, hitting shots, drawing fouls, right? 15 in that quarter. Matching Halbert in the first quarter. The Celtics scored 42. That matches the Pacers' first quarter, right? All these numbers are starting to go, uh-oh. You know, this this comeback is doable. If the Pacers can do it for a half, the Celtics can do it for a half. Um, and the Celtics have all this momentum. I think they got it as low as 10. I'm going to double-check that. In the third quarter, 11 in the third quarter was the lowest the Celtics got, right? They cut it from 30 late in the second to 11 late in the third. And this game would have been about a fourth quarter hold off from a comeback. But I'd like to shout out Chris Duarte. And he'll get a lot of love in the second segment. But, you know, Pacers up 14 with about 40 seconds to go after a Brissett basket. And then Jason Tatum hits a three. It's 94-83. So that means the Celtics have cut the 28-point lead at halftime. To 11 in the third quarter. Looks like they're going to have all the momentum going into the fourth. They figured it out. They've got it. And then Chris Duarte saves the day. Eight and a half seconds to go. Drills a pull-up three. Huge shot. Good pass from Numbarton to make it happen. And then Tatum gets fouled on the other end. Hits both free throws. So the Pacers are up 12. And then Duarte gets the ball on in the inbounds with five seconds to go. Takes a couple dribbles. A prayer 30-footer from the left side over a defender. Banks it in banks it in to give the Pacers a 15-point lead. They got it from 11 to 15 in that 30-second stretch because Duarte hit two huge shots, which meant their 28-point lead was not quite cut in half, right? It was a little less than that. They had some momentum. They knew Duarte was working, and that let them sit Hallie Burton out. I just said Hallie, like his nickname, and then the rest of his name. Halliburton, Burton out a little longer in the fourth, which ended up being the difference. Credit to that stretch for the Pacers, and they took TJ McConnell out. They went with Nembhard as the backup one, like some fans have been have been asking for, and it kind of worked. I mean, they made a bunch of shots that made it look better than I think it was, but it worked well enough to get the Pacers far enough ahead to win. It gave them just enough wiggle room to survive a pretty poor offensive fourth quarter because they played good defense down the stretch. Once the starters came back in, the Pacers did a good job finding ways to get points, finding ways to stay ahead in this game, right? The Celtics end up hitting uh, the 100 mark not too far into the quarter, about six minutes in and then they only scored 13 the rest of the way, right? The Pacers started a good job slowing them down. Once they got in there, they started sending two to the ball with Tatum. That's why Turner was in. You know, Turner did not have the best rebounding game. The Celtics were doing well in the offensive glass, but sending two to Tatum and Turner doing a good job with that, with his mobility, actually made other Celtics have to beat the Pacers, and that slowed them down enough to not allow them to come back despite the Pacers having a poor offensive fourth quarter. And yet... They did have a big offensive stretch down the end to win it, and that was the last five minutes Tyrese Halliburton takes over the game. Pacers scored nine points in the final four and a half minutes of this game. Tyrese Halliburton scores or assists on all of them. He hits two huge threes of his own. He's a great dime inside to Miles Turner for an and one. That was just enough buckets for the Pacers to hold off the Boston Celtics and win 117-112 in Boston Good enough D down the stretch, finding enough offense, finding a way to not blow it in the clutch after doing so in the previous two games. It was not pretty. It was certainly an ugly second half, but 69 to 42 is enough after the first half. Excuse me, 69 to 44, I can't do math, is enough to get it done. Impressive stuff from the Pacers. They win in Boston. They're 16 and 16. Yeah, they've still got some tough games coming up but they continue to push forward at this about 500 pace. They're an impressive team, and Tyrese Halliburton had a banger game. Chris Duarte had a huge comeback game, and I want to talk about why this was Chris Duarte's comeback game, despite him coming back physically on Sunday as well as Halliburton's night. In the second segment today, Halliburton played an all-star level game. Before we talk about that, though, I'd like to read you guys a quick message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Association. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against law in every single state, even states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everybody can tell. So it makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high. Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, You're not, because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI paid for by the NHTSA. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day. Obviously, make your second listen, Locked On Celtics, with John Corrales to hear about how, despite Tatum's unbelievable game. Jason Tatum was insane. This is a tangent to what I'm about to talk about in this game showed every part of why he's an MVP candidate, 41 points for Tatum in this game. John Corrales will explain why he can have 41 points via plus four in 41 minutes and the Celtics can still lose this basketball game. John does a great job covering that Boston team. But I'm going to talk about the reason the Pacers won despite that, and that is two players stepping up in meaningful ways, and that is Tyrese Halberton and Aaron Nesmith, and specifically why this game was unlike any game Tyrese Halberton had other played before. I wrote my takeaway story as I do for all the road games that I'm not at. You know, there's no media availability I can participate in uh, anymore this year. And so I do takeaways because I actually like doing takeaways because uh, I can kind of just jot opinions down. And Duarte and Halliburton were the guys who I wanted to get opinions down for. For this game, Halliburton was unbelievable, right? I mean, it, it, he was just ridiculous. And Halliburton and Carlisle, uh Rick Carlisle, the head coach, always say things like. Tyrese gives us what the team needs every night. And Tyrese says something like, yeah, I felt like we needed, you know, more creation or more shooting or whatever. The sky was hot or whatever. And he's been very good at that, right? If they need to defer to Chris Duarte, he takes the fewest shots he's taken in the game this season. If they need him to distribute like 15 assists against the Lakers coming right up. If he needs to score, he needs to score. He's very good at knowing what to do and what he needs to do tonight. That was scoring 33 points. For Tyrese and I believe that's his second highest as a pacer. I should have pulled that up. I didn't because that wasn't the big part of his scoring that's out to me. Here's where his game was totally different than any game he's ever played before as a scorer. 24 shot attempts for Tyrese Halliburton. 24! That is a career high. Only the second time ever in his whole career he's taken more than 20 shots in a game. Right? He was looking for those buckets. And the Celtics were guarding him in a way like just sagging off a little bit more than other teams when he was beyond the arc, right? That's why he took 13 threes. He took a third of the Pacers threes by himself, right? Because of the way the Celtics were guarding him. And when he realized, oh, they're stepping up a little bit, let's take a screen and drive and score at the basket. Guess what? He did that too. He was driving quite a bit. He was six for 11 on two-point shots, including some middies. He did a fantastic job of hunting his shot against a team that he could hunt a shot against. Marcus Smart doesn't play for Boston. Great, their they're on-ball defense at the point of attack on Tyrese Halliburton is worse, right? Yeah, they had good players, but not not as one not one's good enough to defend Tyrese in a way that would slow him down. He knew that they needed his scoring tonight, and he chased it. 24 shot attempts. That stands out to be so much, and he earned it. He was making them, right? 33 points is obviously super impressive, and he was aggressive with it, right? It wasn't all pull-ups. It wasn't catch and shoots. It wasn't like he was lazy beyond the arc, right? He hit he about half of his shots from inside the arc and half from out. 10 points in the paint for Halliburton, right? Sometimes he does the little halley hook from outside the lane. Sometimes, obviously, when you take 13 threes, you're not going to score points in the paint. He still reached double digit in the paint. And so that 24 shots, most in his career stands out to me. Only the second time he's done that. And look, I, I thought that was just so impressive. And the passing was still there, right? Eight assists on a night, when he is being guarded in a way that allows him to shoot, shows his way his basketball savant stuff. Right, uh, Rick Carlisle called him that, called him a basketball genius when they were playing in Sacramento. In transition, he had a few just crazy cool plays. You know, one where he was in transition, staring down Buddy Heald as Buddy Heald curled out to the left corner, and so Jalen Brown chases Buddy Heald out to the corner. And Tyrese Halbert looking at Buddy Heel just throws it under the basket to Andrew Nembard, who's wide open because the guy who's supposed to stop Andrew Nembard under the basket was chasing Buddy Hield, looking at Halberton's eyes. He had another one very similarly staring at someone on the right elbow. I can't remember who it was. Miles Turner slips under the basket. They're all looking at Halberton's eyes. He flips under to Miles Turner for an easy bucket. Like he was just masterful in the way he manipulated the the Celtics defense with his eyes, his body, his passing, his reads. It was a brilliant, brilliant game, and only two turnovers to go along with that. Pacers plus one in his 34 minutes. He was awesome. They did well in the minutes without him too. I think that was key in this game that they could only play him. Th- they, they only, you know, they, they played him 34 minutes because they had this great stretch in the early second quarter with the bench. The bench has not normally been good this year. That was huge. That gave Hallie some rest, which allowed him to be better down the stretch. Like every moment in this game mattered for the Pacers. And now Halliburton. 299 points. Why does that matter? Because he's played 30 games, which means he's one point shy of being a 20 and 10 guy this season after this game. That's frustrating for me as a numbers guy. I just would love to see it all be rounded out. But look, this was an all-star performance from an all-star guy. Uh, He's been one of the best and most impactful offensive players in the league this year. And the East is really tight, right? There's some good all-stars in the East. Uh, To plug a story I just wrote about, you know, the Pacers chances of having an all-star this year. I wrote about Halliburton and a little bit about Matherin and Turner and Heald and a bunch of stuff on the Pacers, but a lot about Halliburton and a lot about the East field. But I think Halliburton's got to be in it. If they're close to 500 and he's this level of statistical offensive guy, he's got to be there. And yes, there's a very viral moment about a specific TV analyst talking about Halliburton's all-star chances. And now Halliburton responding in an interview. Uh, That'll be talked about tomorrow. Rep Bauer's going to join. We're talking all-star stuff we'll talk about a little bit of trade stuff we'll just sprinkle it all in for the buzzword headlines for tomorrow's show before christmas also in this segment i want to shout out chris duarte i want to talk about chris duarte huge game obviously i talked about his huge shots in the first segment and those are massive shots step up threes you know faders from way out on the left wing with defenders all over him And he made them both, right? The Pacers were shot very well from deep in a lot of stretches this game, finished 46.2% from the outside. Duarte, a huge part of that. And he returned on Sunday, like, physically Chris Duarte was on the floor against the Knicks. But Chris Duarte, the dude, the mental, the game speed, the, you know, it's like, you know how when you say a word, like, with more emphasis and it, it makes it mean more, it's like, the sentence would be, Chris Duarte returned on Sunday. But Chris Duarte returned <laughs> on Wednesday. Like, it, you know, he returned, like, in full, I feel like. It wasn't just like, he's back on the court, and he's got some initial restriction. Like, he was there and playing like the dude that they had his rookie year in this game. He was awesome and felt more like himself, if that makes any sense. His pull-up jumpers were so killer. Two huge ones in the first quarter. obviously the big ones. In the third quarter, they were both a part of huge stretches. He had a nasty bucket. Driving by Malcolm Brogdon, I have no idea how he finished the layup. It was cool to see Brogdon playing again, by the way. And when he comes back to Indiana, of course, to a segment on his return and things like that, he had 18 points, seven rebounds, four, excuse me, four rebounds, seven assists. uh, Basically the most uh, Pacers Malcolm Brogdon stat line you'll ever see. But Duarte cooked him on that possession for a nice layup. And this was the second, his second best game of the season, statistically, and the most comfortable he's looked in a while. Uh, for Duarte and it's obviously easy to say all that kind of stuff when he makes the shots especially when he's making tough shots but the confidence the movement the defense like all this stuff that has been kind of floating in and out for him in year two was really there in this game and I think that's big for him to carry into other game and quite frankly he saved the team's butt (laughs) with his late third quarter buckets so Duarte and Halbert and those two guys they like here's how far the Pacers have come like that was the entire young core in air quotes For the Pacers late last season, you know, there was a lot of frustration uh, from fans about like not being able to see them play together that much. You know, Jalen Smith stepping up, obviously changed the optics a little bit, but that was kind of the core. And now that tonight, almost 50 points combined, all in huge moments. Great to see it for both of those guys. Halliburton, given the public context of his name this week in the weirdest way. That, That stuff's also weird. I can't believe I'm even talking about it. And Chris Duarte for health reasons, but it was very fun to see. And of course, more Halliburton talk will be coming in the context of his all-star level season tomorrow with Rhett Bauer. And now I want to close this show talking about a guy playing the best basketball of his career, a former Celtic, Mr. Aaron Neesmith, who had another wonderful game in Boston against his former team. I wrote a whole story on him uh, earlier in the day, so it worked out very well that I have a bunch of quotes and stats ready to go to close this out today. Before we do that, though, Let me talk to you guys about BetterHelp. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. And don't you sometimes wish life came with a user manual? I sure did right after college when I was fresh into my career. And BetterHelp, it has online therapy that is the next best thing. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with the user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you better help has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and it's accessible anywhere. 100% online therapy can be great for many reasons, right? Learning coping skills, self-empowerment, dealing with trauma, you got to try it for yourself and that's where better help can come in as the world's largest therapy service BetterHelp has matched over 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available at 100% online plus it's affordable just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with the therapist if things aren't clicking you can easily switch to a new one anytime It couldn't be simpler no waiting rooms. No traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% on your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnMBA. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. Go beyond the scoreboard and pass the highlights with the hosts here at the Locked On Podcast Network who can take you behind the scenes for the biggest stories and moments in sports. Peter Burkowski hosts the show, Locked On Sports Today, available on Odyssey YouTube, wherever you get podcasts. Let's talk about Aaron Neesmith, who is playing phenomenally right now. There's a reason he's moved into the starting lineup. There's a reason he continues to play a lot of minutes for this Pacers team because, one, he plays a key position on the wing, and, two, he's playing very well right now. It's phenomenal to see, especially... This killer on a play coinciding with his return to Boston. Against his former team tonight, Aaron Neesmith finishes 15 points on six for 13 shooting, six rebounds, three assists, and two steals was absolutely huge in his 28 minutes in this game. They do not win without him because, most importantly, plus 16, plus 16 in a five-point win, right? They got, not smoked, but they lost without him, right? They needed him out there. He knew the tendencies of Brown and Tatum. He knew how to defend some of the stuff the Celtics were doing or how to score against it. You know, they, They've changed some stuff from coach to coach, but he knows what's going on. He knows if he can help. He's guarded these guys in practice for years, and he showed why he was so important in this game. That was obviously huge, and it contributed to more great stats for Aaron e. Smith in the month of December. And so prior to this game, prior to this month of December right now, the best month, I guess I'm just going on points here, but in terms of consistency of Aaron Neesmith's career was May of 2021, his rookie year, right? 8.3 points per game, 50% shooting, 4.2 rebounds per game, right? That's that's fine. It's a good rookie uh, stretch. Uh, right now, <laughs> Aaron Neesmith is blowing that away. This is far away the best run of play of his career for a, for a month. 11 games in December for Aaron Neesmith and 23 minutes per game. That's all we're talking about here. 11.2 points per game, A solid number for a fifth starter. 4.2 rebounds, that's his best for a month stretch of his career. 1.2 steals on 51.7% from the field, 43.5% from deep, and has not missed a single free throw in the entire month. Crazy good numbers, right? And that is just his offensive stuff. He obviously, look, you're going to look good when it's the best scoring and best rebounding month you've ever had in the NBA. And look, per game stats, some of that's going to be because you're playing more, right? But also, he's just playing well. The ball's going in. He's finding his spots. He's getting open. He knows how to play with his teammates, especially in the starting five. And getting rebounds is certainly product of minutes. But doing it at the four when you're smaller is still impressive. But that also comes with defense, right? He's been awesome on that end of the four. He has to be a good defender starting at the four. But the defense has really been there this month. The, the, the NBA's got this new thing called court optics that can, like, track double teams and player aggressiveness on defense or uh, player pressure on the defensive end. I guess aggressiveness is the wrong word. He was in the top five of the the league's new like, defensive pressure score. And Remember, this is a guy that earlier in the year said he wants to guard the other team's best player. He takes pride in that challenge. Certainly looks like a good defender right now for this team. He's basically been the perfect starter during this month. When the shots are going in, he looks great. And I thought this was a mind-blowing stat when I was doing research for this Aaron Neesmith story. Right. He's a you know young guys always talk about opportunity being so important. It was huge for Jalen Smith last year, basically saved his career. And, you know, it might have been even that's the best run of play of his career. Still, Aaron E. Smith this year has now played 600 minutes. And That's prior to this 23 in the Celtics game last year with Boston. He only played 574. Right. Like he already is getting more opportunity here. And it's only been 28 games for him. He's going to pass his his rookie season numbers, which is the most minutes he's played probably by Christmas, probably the game after Christmas, right? Maybe t- the 27th of December. doesn't matter. Soon. The Patriots have given him an opportunity, and he has answered the call with super impressive play all month. I'm so impressed with how he's playing, right? Adding just one or two dribbles to his package lets him be like a bully in the post. When the three is falling, he's multidimensional, even though he's mostly a catch-and-shoot guy. Like, all this stuff is just going so well for him. And when he was talking about what he's been doing better, right, he said he was playing to his strengths and playing off his teammates but This was the part of the stat. He said, getting comfortable and learning what guys' tendencies are, where I can get open, where I can affect the game, right? In this month, prior to this, this game, I'm not going to redig up all these stats for this, but only 1.9% of his points were in the mid-range. That's his lowest number of any month as a pacer, right? So he's getting points in the paint. He's getting points from three. That's nearly 90% of his points this month. Like, he's getting shots up from a fish areas. And 68.4% of his shots are either open or wide open this month. That's another NBA track stat. That is also some of his highest numbers as a Pacer, right? So he is finding way, where to get open. He knows how to play off these guys. He's knocking down the shots. He's taking them from the right areas. Like, that, that's all fantastic. That's why he just had that 23.10 rebound game. Both career-high numbers. That's why it's fitting in so well with the starters, and that's why his defense is also so impressive. And look, some of the stuff I, I always talk about, with wings is if you can defend or shoot, you'll have a role. He's been playing the defense to play all season, right? There's a reason he's been in the rotation every game. Now that he's shooting too, he just becomes so valuable for this team. And it shows the value of wings once again, especially once again, either the shot or the three comes around. I don't know if he's a core guy for the Pacers just yet, but he's working his way into like a, you know, really explore what he can be in this rotation this year and maybe even next year. And look, opportunity. So huge, right? Here's what Halliburton said about Neesmith. He said, you see him growing every day. He's got a new, fresh opportunity in Indiana. Just excited for him to take advantage of that, right? Like opportunity is so important for these young players. Halliburton gets it as a lead guard right now. Neesmith getting starting minutes, Jalen Smith last year, and even this year starting and now playing the five off the bench. Like it's huge for those guys, the 2020 draft class, the Pacers have found roles for those guys. And Neesmith has been chief among them. So, how good he's been able to play on both ends has been really huge for the Pacers this month. It's a kind of steady them at times while they struggle. And I think Rick Carlisle said my favorite quote about him, right? He talked about him running through a wall for his team. He said, this is one of the reasons that he's earned the opportunity to start for this team. And for his teammates, he will run through a wall. He's that kind of team guy. And he really gets dialed into any kind of individual challenge that you give him in a game whether that's be a shooter, whether that's find your spots, whether that's defending the team's best player. Neesmith has done all of those and been a huge part of this Pacers team's success recently and to step up and play well against his former team, one that, look, they rightfully could not give him minutes. They were trying to chase a title. His inconsistent play for them wasn't right, but to to go to that team that drafted you in the lottery and traded you after two years and play a good game, he's maturing. He's playing very well for the Pacers and had a key position and could be working himself into being an everyday player for this team this year and possibly beyond, depending on how things develop and how his fit with some of the other core players continues to develop. Really wanted to talk about him, get a segment in on Aaron Neesmith. It's fun to be able to cover some of the guys who don't get as much shine for this team, but he has certainly earned it with his play in December. Tomorrow, Rep is going to join. We're for sure talking all-star stuff. Voting started this week. What Pacers have a chance, obviously, Halberton does as Anybody else uh, will be talking about Should the Pacers be buyers or sellers? I'm not going to actually answer that question like that, but that's the general gist of what we're talking about on the trade stuff. And we'll extend all that probably into a segment and a half for each question just because they are really important. Christmas is around the corner. You guys have seen the Pacers play the Heat twice already, so no need to dive all into them. And, of course, next week talking Pacers Heat, Pacers Pelicans, all the fun stuff coming up here with this team as they continue to try to win two games in a row for the first time. In about a month, you know we'll cover it all here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Until so then, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. We will see you tomorrow.